0: We've been preaching out of the book of 1 John. We've been looking at John, that disciple whom Jesus loved. And I remember Miss, Miss Cato telling me this at her home the other day. The first day I preached that, Brother Cato went home and said to Miss Cato, well, I've got to find out something about John because I want to sit and lean on the bosom of the Savior. Well, honey, he's doing more than that today. He's face to face with him. But we talked about that disciple whom Jesus loved, how John cultivated that close relationship to the master. And we said that he sat where the others wouldn't sit. He stood where the others wouldn't stand. He served when the others didn't get to serve. And because of that, he got to see what the others didn't see. And we've been preaching on what John saw. And we're trying our best to get through the book of the Revelation. I'm trying my best to get to that passage where he said, I, John, saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem. But I could not, I could not overlook the five chapters of this little epistle, 1 John, because some of the most precious truths about life, love, and light you'll find in these five chapters. John lets us know that we can do more than be religious, we can have a relationship that produces fellowship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. We looked in chapter number 1 and we saw a fellowship that is divine. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Then we looked in chapter number 2 at a forgiveness that is definite. For He is the propitiation for our sin, but not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And I want to just emphasize that, for the sins of the whole world. Then we came to chapter number 3, and we saw a future that is delightful. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And then last Sunday we came to chapter number four and we saw a family that is devoted. There John lays it out that we can't love God whom we haven't seen and hate our brother whom we have seen. And we're taught in the Bible to bear one another's burdens, pray one with another, most of all love one another. By the way, Jesus said, By this shall all men know you are my disciples because you have a podcast criticizing everybody, because you get behind a Facebook post and criticize everybody, because you write a paper and condemn everybody, because you burn up three tongue barons gossiping about everybody. I got off of a plane the other day and I said to the pilot, I said, Do you know where the local mechanic shop is? He said, I do no. know why. I said, because the lady behind me just burnt three tongue barons from Atlanta to Fort Myers, Florida. Can I get a witness? I know all about her, all about her family and everybody she loves and how many operations she's had. And I believe that old gal would have showed me the scar if I'd have pushed it. But I saw a family that is devoted. We are the family of God. Turn around to somebody right now and say, hello, brother. Hello, sister. I'm glad I'm a part of a family that is devoted. Quickly this morning, I'm going to preach for 10 minutes and all of God's people said, may the fleas of a thousand camels infest your armpits. But I want to come this morning to chapter number five and see a faith that is defined. A faith that is defined. Let me say it like this by the way of an There's only one kind of salvation that's talked about in the word of God. Number one, a personal salvation. Number two, eternal salvation. And number three, a no-so salvation. I'm glad for the personal salvation. I'm glad I'm His and He's mine. I'm glad for the eternal salvation, eternal and everlasting life. I'll never die, just get promoted. But I'm glad today for a no-so salvation. Man, wouldn't it be bad to have a personal salvation and not know it? Wouldn't it be awful to have something that's going to last forever and not know it. I'm glad we can know now that heaven is our home. I appreciate our soul winners today walking in this heat, knocking on these doors, putting out these invites to the house of the Lord. You can't knock on the wrong door because Jesus died for everybody behind the door. And I was witnessing a man one time and I said, sir, if you died right now, do you know that you'd go to heaven? He said, no, I don't know that, you don't know that, can't anybody know that? I said, now, wait a minute, you've waited too late to tell me, I don't know. But he said, I'm serious, sir, I don't know that, you don't know that, nobody else knows that, You, you can't know that, this man said, you can't know that until you die. I said, dear brother, with all due respect, If you wait to then to find out whether you are saved or not, you have waited one millisecond too late. Because once breath leaves the body, the soul departs. Those that have trusted Christ as their Savior go to heaven. Those that refuse Christ as their Savior die without Christ and go to a devil's hell. You don't have to wait till you die. In fact, you can't wait till you die to find out whether you're saved or not. I'm glad the Bible said today is the day of salvation and now is the accepted time. Over and over again in these five chapters, the apostle under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit uses this definite word, no, no. By the way, he is not the only writer of Scripture under the divine inspiration of God's Spirit that used the word no. In fact, several hundred, in fact, several thousands of years before Jesus was born in the manger, old brother Job arose from the ashes in chapter 19 and verse 25 and said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. I want to there's anybody you could testify with Brother Job this morning, you know your Redeemer liveth. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote about no, no, no. He said because our faith is in Jesus Christ, we know Him and best of all, He knows us. Paul said to the young preacher for I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul said for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Paul said to the church at Corinth, when this earthly house, this old body is dissolved and goes back to the dust, we know that we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Again, ladies and gentlemen, the only salvation that's proclamated in this Bible is a personal salvation and a forever salvation. And thank God for a no-so salvation. if you're at our service today and you do not know that you know, if you have one shadow of an inkling of a doubt in your heart, in your conscience, in your mind, in just a few moments I am going to give you most of all, God Almighty is going to give you the opportunity of a lifetime to know that you know that you have been saved and heaven is your home. Let's look at this faith in our text that is defined. I love the way he words it in 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13. The scripture says, These things have I written unto you that believe. Believe what? Believe on the name of the Son of God. That ye may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. In this text, there is the word of this faith. He says, these things have I written unto you. You say, Pastor, how can we be so sure and positive about this eternal life? Because there is a word on it. And it's not my word, it's not a Baptist word, it's not a Catholic word, it's not a man's word, it is the word of the living God. John uses this phrase three times in five chapters. He said, these things I write unto you that your joy may be full. These things I write unto you that you sin not. And he said, these things I write unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Let me sum it up like this. The reason why I know I'm saved, the Bible tells me so. The reason why I know I'm going to heaven when I leave this world, the Bible tells me so. And the reason why that I'm heaven bound and hell proof is because the Bible tells me so. And like the songwriters said, it'll say the same thing a million years that it says today. Thank God I have God's word on my faith in Jesus Christ. The word. In our text this morning, you have the way of our faith. How do we appropriate such wonderful salvation? What is the way? He uses this wonderful word, ye that believe, and that ye might believe. It's not when you join the church. It's not when you're baptized. It's not when you partake of the sacraments of the Lord's Supper. But it's when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I got into a ferocious discussion. That is a spiritual word for I got in a cat fight. With this man the other day that accused me and some of my friends of being easy believisms. Easy believizers. Well, number one, he didn't pronounce it right. And I asked him this question. I said, why do you call me an easy believism preacher? He said, because you get up and tell people they got to believe to be saved. I said, but at least you've been listening to my preaching. But I asked him this question. I said, okay, Bubba, how hard is it to believe? I said, let me tell you the hard part. Swallowing your pride. Admitting you're a dirty, rotten, low down sinner. And admitting that you're on your way to hell. Once you swallow that and admit that and get past yourself, the rest of it is not that hard. You can't join enough churches. You can't get baptized enough. You can't give enough money. You can't participate in enough religious services to wipe your sins away. But the very millisecond you side with God against yourself and believe and trust the finished work of the cross, you are saved and saved forever. The way into this faith is not religion, it's not morals, it's not money. But the way into this wonderful life is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is to fully place your trust where God puts your sins. Did you get a hold of that? Where you fully put your faith where God puts your sins i want wanting to fudge on that 10 minutes. Look at me. Where did God put your sins? On Christ and he nailed them to the cross. So I'm going to put my faith and my trust where God put my sins. On Christ and the cross. We're going to break out in praise right here. And the rich royal blood that flowed from Emmanuel's veins washed our sins away. And he came out on the other side of the grave as the living, reigning, returning Savior. I'm glad, ladies and gentlemen, the way to this faith in Jesus Christ is believe, trust, look to Jesus. And all are included. And none are excluded. The word of this faith. The way to this faith. And then he deals with the witness of this faith. He said in the book of 1 John, if we receive the witness of man, the witness of God is greater. Now I'm going to try this illustration one more time. It came back to bite me in Pennsylvania not long ago. But I'm preaching down here where people have some sense. Can I get a witness? I said this in Pennsylvania, and a little old boy on the front row ruined my whole illustration. But let me try it again. How many people in this room believe that George Washington was the first president of the United States of America? Have you ever read the book? How many believes that Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of this nation? Here's where my illustration fell apart. I said, all of y'all believe that, but there's nobody in this room that's ever met, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. The little boy said, I do, they live on my street. I'm not being smart, but that sounds like some blonde-headed girl would say. I'm sorry, ma'am, I didn't see you sitting there. I've never met George Washington. Sometimes I feel like he and I, Doug, are the same age. I've I've never met Abraham Lincoln. I've been to his memorial and talked to him, but he's like a Baptist church. He didn't say nothing back to me. I've never met George Washington. I've never met Abraham Lincoln. But I believe with all my heart. Listen, I had a great grandfather. I had a great grandfather, Yancey Arthur, that did. not I mean, went to his grave denying to the day he died that man walked on the moon. He said that's one of my Hollywood pictures. Now this is what I learned about my grandfather. He thought wrestling was real, but nobody ever went to the moon. I mean, dear God, we're from Virginia. What can you expect? One more time, Heidi believes that George Washington and Abraham Lincoln were presidents of the United States. The first, Hey, you know why you believe that? Because you read that in a book. A teacher taught you that and you received that witness. But I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if I can believe that George Washington was the first president and Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president because some man read it to me and told me, how much more can I know that Christ is my Savior and God is my Father? And the Holy Ghost is my covenant, because the Holy Ghost of God witnesses it in my heart. Hallelujah. That you may know. You may know that you have eternal life. I grew up by myself. All my sisters are older than me. And I was one of those oops babies born late in life to parents. Late in life. The most successful kids of all of those that are born late in life. God turns accidents into handfuls of purpose. So I didn't, I'd never lived with nobody but mom and daddy. I, and then Julie and I got married and we started living together. Notice I said we got married and then we started living together. Notice there is a, a way to do that. And I never knew how long it took women to get ready. Gus, I knew she was awful pretty to look at, but I had no idea it took 10 years. I never dreamed. And I learned real quick, the more you knock on that door, and the more you clear your throat, and Joseph, whatever you do, don't go out and sit in the driveway and honk the horn. finally she comes out I said bless God we're going to be late for church and I got to go up there and preach the gospel to them people you've already got me discombobulated I'm flustered I said you're not saved she said you ain't no preacher Don't you look at me like that. You and your bride got into it today on your way to church. Why do you think Miss Arthur and I drive separate cars so the Holy Ghost won't be grieved when we get here? Landon, you got a guilty look on your face, boy. If you have problems with him, check me out. I'll whoop him. And I said, you're not saved. She said, I am. I said, you're not saved. I said, when did you get saved? She said, when I was nine. I said, I don't believe a word of it. I said, how do you know you got saved when you was nine? She said, the Holy Spirit told me. I said, you saved. You saved. But are not you glad today we have a witness of this life that is within us. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not as complicated as some people try to make it. And here it is and we're done with this book. The Apostle John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, summed it up like this. You ready? He that hath the Son, Jesus, hath life. And he that hath not the Son, hath not life. Do you have Jesus? Do you know Him? Have you ever trusted Him as your personal Savior? If not, this can be the best day, not only of your life here, but in your life to come. Jesus has never turned anybody down or away that sincerely asks Him are coming to their heart. We're standing together. Our Heavenly Father, we love you today.